and something to write on. You may even want to be ready to uh, write down the, the verses I refer to because there's going to be a lot, and that way you can just go back and review them later. So before we begin, let's go ahead and pray one more time. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ that are here with me today, uh, for the whole body of Christ that we are a part of because of your blood and your spirit. And I ask Jesus that you would unify us to each other, that you would unify us with yourself, Lord, because to be in unity with you means we have to think the way you think, love the way you love, walk the way you walk. And Lord, I pray that that would be our desire today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So keep your finger there in Romans 13, but I actually want to start, I want to open with 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. It says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. It says that they'll be brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And it says, from such people, turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. So, today what we're going to be talking about is a Christian's response to authority, and how, as Christians, how we should view authority, and what role uh, different levels of authority should play into our life. So the reason I, I wanted to open with this is because it makes some distinctions talking about this time that really we're living in right now, the end times, where these, this spirit of rebelliousness and deception and, and, and arrogance overtakes the world. And many of the things that it lists here are boasters, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, slanderers, and lovers of pleasures rather than loving of God. And it goes back and it even refers to these men who, sh who should have been in a reverent, submissive relationship to Moses as God had made him the leader over the Israelite people, but yet they resisted him and brought on themselves the judgment of God. So it's a nice little warning for us. <laughs> before we even get started in this message, that God is not well pleased with such behavior. But let's go ahead. Let's read Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. It says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, 
For there is no authority except for from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. And so that's really going to be the focus of our message this morning. To render all their due, whatever that is, appropriate. So, here in Romans, uh, Paul is speaking to the church, and he starts off talking specifically about the governing bodies, right? So, we're talking about the emperor, we're talking about um, governors, quite specifically by term, and whatever um, offices are, are probably in, in between there. We've got mayors, We've got governors, we've got Congress, we've got all these people today in our life, and not all of them are always uh, necessarily godly, right? They're not particularly God-fearing people, especially as we might consider in today's standards. Uh, Well, that wasn't any different. That wasn't any different when Paul was writing this. In fact, in the early church and even in Paul's times, most of the, the government authority hated Christians. Most people know of Nero, who burned, I don't even know how many Christians. I don't have those numbers in my head. But one, in my opinion, is too many. But who had an extreme hate for Christianity. We know that many Christians were imprisoned in, uh, in Rome because of refusal to, to worship the emperor. Right, And so there's all these things uh, where the Jews in the book of Acts are always stirring up the, the people in power to try to oppress the church because of jealousy. And so authority is not always uh, as far as government, our friend, as we would like them to be. However, God does not say, well, if they're not good, ignore them. If if the laws are not in your favor, eh. God doesn't say that. The doctrine that we have been given through the Holy Spirit does not teach that. And for me, whenever I teach really anything, um, it really doesn't matter what you're teaching as far as the character of God. Everything can go back to his person and his purpose in creation. Right? And we can find value and understanding from these things. And so authority is the same thing. Does anybody here know what the beginning of wisdom is? Or the beginning of understanding is? 
fear of knowledge or beginning of knowledge, a fear of the Lord. A fear of God who is the supreme and sovereign authority over all things. And that fear, rightly applied and understood in our lives, should cause us to be subject to his rule. Now, thank you, Lord, we have a good God. And the outcome of such subjection is blessing, right? But here in Romans 13, it says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Why? Well, let me tell you why. Because any authority in your life is there because God placed them there. It says very specifically, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And again, he wasn't writing this in a time where the people and the authority and power over him were friendly. And so this is not some out-of-context circumstance for us. This is very applicable. And this is where, uh, you know, I can get real real touchy and start stepping on people's toes because I can say things like, you know who put Obama in the office? The Lord. You think, now if you like Obama, I guess that doesn't bother you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm not here to, to, to go one way or another against anybody, but he didn't somehow get, a, get around God's sovereign hand. Right? Trump didn't somehow get around God's plan to be in office. God has placed and allowed those things to happen. And rather, we as Christians, like it or not, agree with it or not, we are called in the very least to subject ourselves to those authorities. Now, with that comes a responsibility as well. And I don't believe that I have this quoted here. But, you know, Paul tells us to pray at all time for all men and to make prayers for the authorities. And I believe right now, I, you know, when, when Trump was uh, in the running, I wasn't necessarily impressed because boastful, arrogant men don't typically impress me. However, I am uh, very convinced that <laughs> what a blessing of God that he is being to our country. And what a blessing God has poured out on our country by allowing that election. And I was thinking even this morning, you know how many prayer groups I have seen and heard of in the last couple of years? And I'm not talking about just little church meetings. I'm talking about nationwide filling stadiums, doing live broadcasts inside of movie theaters all over the nation, bringing people together to pray for their country, to pray for their president, to pray for their congressmen, even those who maybe they were opposed to. And look at what God is doing in response. I believe that. I believe that God is giving us a time of blessing because he had prompted our hearts as a church to to pray for the authorities, and he is now turning things around. And I believe if we continue to seek the Lord and continue to submit and continue to pray for those things, he will continue that work. 
But we live in a time, even as a church as a whole, that is losing a reverence for authority. That is losing a reverence for the governing bodies. (laughs) I would say even a reverence for God. And many people are becoming slanderers and blasphemers. Even myself, even I have fallen into that. But I want to to encourage you that God takes no pleasure in slander. He takes no pleasure in cursing. And he takes no pleasure in rebellious spirits, regardless of what they're um, pointed towards, if that makes sense. And if a man or a woman is in an office and they are doing an ungodly work or they are not promoting the type of country or, or, or um, ordinances that we as a church body would agree with, you know what's amazing? God has given us two abilities, to vote and to pray. And a blessed people we will, do, we will be if we as a church body vote and pray. You know what God has not given us the calling and the privilege to do? Complain, slander, and blaspheme those he himself have put into power. You know, it's kind of a simple thing if we put it into different terms. I've managed several different, um, um, you know, businesses and some in the food industry, some in the tech industry, and I've done different things. And I'll tell you what. If I have a manager that I placed under me, now sometimes I don't always get, <laughs> you know, the highest grade employees that I would like, but I try to pick, you know, who I can. However, if I get a manager and I put them in power and I thought there is a reason for whatever that is that I put them there, and all of a sudden I get some employee coming up to me and talking bad about that manager and how they're doing this and they're doing this and I don't want to listen to him, who do you think I'm going to defend first? Now, this is a very imperfect analogy, I understand that, but I'm going to tell that employee to be quiet and get back to work, and I will deal with the way I manage things. Because their first responsibility is to get their job done and to be a good worker. Now, depending on the way they come to me, if they come to me very calmly with a very, you know, hey, I don't think this is right, here's my request, and maybe you should look into this, by all means. Well, like I said, in a very perfect analogy, I think it works pretty similarly with God. I think if there's a real concern, well, we offer prayers and petitions for all things to God the Father without anxiety and worry. And God is faithful to hear us and faithful to act and faithful to defend his own name and his own people. But God does not take pleasure with unwholesome speech or slandering tongues from any man or against any man. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. 
Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You know, this is kind of funny. Um, you know, I'm still surrounded. I'm, I'm a pretty young guy still, uh, I think. And uh, so I'm surrounded by a lot of young people still. And it's so, it's so ridiculous, the things that I, I hear. Oh, you know, this and this. I'm not even going to shorten the phrases they use, right? You can fill in the blanks. This and this about the police and how dare they and, and we just hate them and all the authority. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? What's going on? Oh, well, because they threw my uncle in prison and, you know, now he's there. And I'm like, well, well what happened? Why is your uncle in prison? Well, I, I mean, he was selling drugs, but, you know, those police, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> How is this the police's fault? How is this the police's fault that, that you got a speeding ticket? Why are you angry at the cop, right? Why are you angry at, at, at the rulers for doing their job when it was you or your, your friend who was who's breaking the law? I don't agree with all the laws, right? I wish all the laws were like going out towards uh, past junction where it's 85 on the highway. That'd be great. I don't get to do 85 and a 60 and get mad when I get pulled over. And that might seem like a, a smaller thing, but I'll tell you what, if speeding doesn't convict your heart, you need to soften your heart. Because it convicts my heart. That's why I try to use cruise control, because I speed. And then I catch myself, and I go, oh. <laughs> oh, and I start looking around. That's not good. If you're a Christian, you need to have a, a God-fearing respect for the authority and the laws. Not a man-fearing, a God-fearing. And a God-sized reverence for the laws. Man, we're blessed. Out of all the places in the world, we're blessed that we're not living in India. Was it India? That's about to again become a s Nepal. Where the as a, as a nation, right? As a nation is going to be decreed a Hindu nation. On a scale of one to ten, on how much and excuse my my phrase, how much that would suck in America, that would be about a fifteen. And we are living in the blessed time. And we should have praise to God that, that the regulations and ordinances of our lands are as they are. Thank you, Lord. But listen to this. Talking about these authorities, talking about the, the governors and the presidents and the congressmen and the police officers, right? The state troopers. You know what they are? You know what God has set them up to be? Listen to this. They are God's ministers. They are God's ministers to you for the sake of justice. You know, justice is a, is a <laughs> that's something God loves, is justice. He's a God of justice. Now, our justice system definitely isn't perfect, right? But God has set that system in place for us. And these men and these women, they are ministers of that system. And so, you know, we kind of have as a church body, um, and, and in some denominations in some places, maybe more or less than others, but we kind of have this general reverence for pastors and elders because, oh, they're the ministers, right? Oh, they're the, I have people from different places that, 
you know, they call me weird stuff like reverend and man of God, and I'm like, man of God? Aren't you a woman of God? Aren't we, aren't we both? Like, you can call, my name is Darren, you know. Um, you can call me Darren, but we have this kind of, this reverence um, uh, for ministers. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. However, God has made these, these authorities in our lives ministers in a similar sense of justice and of, of his ordinances. And the same way we have to have, if we want to be faithful to the God who has created us, to give them the fear, the honor that is due to them. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for your conscience' sake. Because anyone who knows to do good and does not do it, you know what the Bible says that is? Sin. Anyone who knows you need to pay your taxes, but you're not doing it, that's sin. Any couple who is married and living together, but they file a separated to get double return, and I know a lot of people that do that, that is sin. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. You know what taxes are? They're a tithe, in a sense. You are tithing to God's ministers and to his organization. You ever thought of it like that? Me neither. <laughs> Try not to, right? Hey, you know what? Maybe we should, because if we did, maybe there'd be more joy in doing it. I just went and got two DBAs. So all this little random side stuff I do in, in health coaching and in design, I can put it through my bank account under a business name, and I can pay taxes on it. Now, I could not do that. They could just write a check to me, to Darren Miller, and I could just put the money in my bank, and I'd be good. That's not what this says. And that's not faithful. Not just, oh, that's breaking the law. No, that's breaking God's law, because he put that there. And to be faithful to this is to be faithful to him. And to be unfaithful to that is to be unfaithful to him. Now, there are many ways and, and, and provisions in which the government has given us to, for different tax breaks and things, like uh, as pastors, pastors can sign some form and they, they don't ever have to pay into Social Security. You know, hey, that's provision. Praise God. But me deciding what laws I will follow, that's not provision. Render, therefore, to all their due taxes to whom taxes Customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to, to whom honor. So this is where I want to make a, a, a slight turn real quick. So why, why is it that we have a time, we have a nation in which I honestly believe that just children, like the spirit of children in general, there is something changing you know, and a lot of it is culture and parenting. <coughs> well, most of it, right? But I, there's just the spirit that is that is coming upon 
um, our generation that's part of the spirit of the Antichrist that is just raising up rebelliousness. I believe it, right? And why, why are all these things happening? Why are young adults, they have no reverence for anybody, not for their parents, not for the police, not for the political figures, not for their teachers, for no one. Why is that? I believe there's an issue in the church. There's an issue with us as believers that is maybe not perhaps causing this, but that is taking a hand and not quenching it. Or maybe I should restate that. I think there's a way in which we as a church can come together and can combat this and and that can create and recreate a nation and and a generational atmosphere that produces reverence. And I think the issue is, is we are no longer teaching people to fear authority. We're not. We're, we're the, our, our nation right now is teaching parents to fear their children rather than their children learning to fear their parents. And there are states that if you give your ch- child a spanking, you can get arrested for domestic abuse. Really. And I'm not saying everybody, you know, if you have a kid and you don't have to ever spank them in their life, you just tell them and they start crying, hey, praise God, you were blessed. You know, I got four boys. I whoop some butts. I use some timeouts. I use all kinds of things right? But you know what? My first agenda is not to make my children my friend. And I do not fear my children. The only thing I fear is not being a good steward over my children. That's what I fear. I fear not being a good steward over the church and the body that God has given me. Those are the things I fear before the Lord. So I want to talk to you, what other authorities are there in our lives that we need to consider? First, I believe in the church. There are church, I think authority in a sense is a a right term. It's not maybe the same idea as it is in the political sense, but there are church authorities. There are are pastors and there are elders of the church that God has given to govern a body, that God himself has placed there. We also have parents that God has placed in children's lives. You know, I didn't choose what kid God gave me. I also didn't choose what parents I was born to. Those are things that God had put in place. Right? There are um, um, employers. The Bible even talks about slave owners, which hopefully none of us have, you know, any doings with at the moment or ever. But... Um, we have employers that we should be subject to in a godly manner with fear before the Lord. Even I would say, you know, I'm a college student. And my professors and the deans, I believe, hey, whoever honor is due, you show them that honor. Whoever respect is due to, you show that respect. I had a conversation with a man just the other day. Well, you know, I don't know why I should have to do this and that. I mean, because when I go there, I mean, he's not my pastor. He's not my pastor. I'm visiting, and, you know, I'm thinking, I said, well, you know, you're right. And, I mean, we're all brothers. We're all in the, on the same plane, right, as far as I'm concerned. You may disagree with me. Pastor, not pastor. We are all on the same plane as Christian brothers and sisters. 
However, God has given that man a steward and a responsibility that he has not given you. And God has appointed him as a pastor. At the very least, you better honor him as such. Because there's only one body. There's only one body. And you know what? When Paul and Barnabas, when they went to the church in Antioch, and they saw the grace of God had fallen on the Gentiles, they became apostles and teachers there. And so whatever it is in your life, whoever God has placed in your life, we, if we want to be a witness and walk in the truth and grace of God, we need to be ready to show reverence and fear and respect to all men as it's due. And what I told this man as we were talking about this subject, I said, you know, what if, uh, what if we were in a big conference and Donald Trump walked in and then the president of, of Australia walked in? Donald Trump goes by, oh, hi, Mr. President. Oh, he walks by. And then, and then the, the president of Australia comes, comes by. What do you think you're going to do? Oh, hi, Mr. President. It's nice to meet you. Most people in the right mind meeting a royal family member or a president of another nation is not going to just throw that completely out the window. Well, because he's not my president. That would be absurd, right? Because we have an innate understanding that there are some men and there are some positions that require honor. We know that. We don't have to be taught that. In fact, we, we teach ourselves against that. But we need to respect those things. So I have a couple things I, I want in, in the closing. I just want to read through these, right? I believe the word of God is power. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And I, just wanna, I might not read all of it, but I'm going to read through a couple things. 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 19. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not even receive an accusation against an elder, except from two or three witnesses. So all, that thing that Karen, all those things that Karen's been telling me about Jim, I'm just not, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 7, and then I'm going to skip to verse 17. It says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. Consider the outcome of their conduct. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. That sounds good, right? Let us, let's do it with joy. Titus 3, 1 and 2 says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. There's a hard command. To be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Um, I'm going to skip through some of this. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and, may live lo- and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, I had Courtney's grandmother 
we were at a nursing home once talking to her, and she made this comment. She said, oh, how I wish I would have obeyed my parents more so that I could have expected a longer and more blessed life. And that smacked me across the face because I had never actually considered that ever until she said that. And I was terrified. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm thinking about 13, 14, 15, 16. I'm like, well, there's a couple of decades off my lifespan. <laughs> but here's the thing. This problem has to be solved with us. As pastors and as elders, we first have to be leading ourselves to the Lord so that we're worthy of leading others. And as we lead others, we have to teach them and remind them of all generations to fear and to follow with honor those who God has given honor. As workers, as employers, we have to be men trying to to serve God and lead businesses in a way that's pleasing to him so that we can then turn around and be examples and teach those under us to do the same thing. As fathers and mothers, we have to be ones that, as it says in Proverbs 23, 13, and 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. This is kind of a funny one. If you strike him with a rod, he won't die. Okay. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. That is the exact opposite of our culture. Proverbs 29:15 The rod and reproof give wisdom but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29:17 Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. And I could go on and on about the scriptures in Deuteronomy where it tells us to to take the commandments of God and to write them on the doorposts to tell them to our children, to remind them as we go in and as we, uh, as we come in, as we go out. And this type of instruction, this type of reminder, and this type of discipline is what we have to do to teach our children and to, to remind each other to be fearful of those who God has put over our life for his sake. Because as long as we walk and we are the source of the slandering, and we are the source of, the, of the, the hateful opposition. And as long as we are the source of allowing a culture to tell us to fear our children, rather than the children to learn to fear and submit to their parents, there will be chaos and disorder. And like it says in James 3, with that wisdom that is earthly and demonic, and every evil thing will be there. One last thing before we close. You know, it's... Um, we're still learning how to uh, raise and discipline our children, and it's pretty crazy sometimes, you know. There's a lot to learn, and uh, I'm not there as much as I should be, and my poor wife is, you know, having to deal with all this most of the time by herself, and it's a, it's a struggle, you know. And the Lord continues to remind me uh, um, how much I act like my children with him. And that's always uh, an eye-opening experience. But I'll tell you this. There are people who would say that the way I discipline my children or the way I spank my children, or, oh, oh, you're harsh and you're going to hurt their psyche, right? And they're going to grow up uh, uh, damaged 
or whatever all this, and I'll just call it liberal junk if you don't mind. That's how I view it. You can correct me afterwards if you feel the need to. All this liberal junk. You know what? When I come home and I lay on the floor, you know what my kids do? They don't tiptoe around me. They come and jump on me and they lay with me. And you know what they do? They tell me they love me. And if you ask my children, what do you think about your father? They're not going to go off a list of horrible things. I know because I've seen it and I've heard it. Because in the midst of this discipline, I show my children I love them. And I do it because I want them to be God-fearing people. I want them to have character that is, is um, respectable as men when they grow up. And I have a love for my children in their future, and that's why we do these things. And I have a love for the body and for our relationship with the Lord, and that's why we preach as thus. It's to, to one day reap that outcome. But when we slack on the responsibility to teach and to remind and to rebuke and to correct those who are unruly and those who are rebellious, what can we hope to reap? Amen? Father God, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. And Father, I want to start and I want to ask for your forgiveness, Lord God, for what a grumbling, <laughs> rebellious people we have all been in our own hearts in one way or another. And Father, I pray that we would be men and women who um, take these words, your own words, to heart, Lord, and that we separate ourselves, our hearts, our minds, and our tongues from every evil thing, and that we commit ourselves to concerning ourselves with that which is good and that which is profitable, that we would seek you in the good of our nation with prayer and diligence, Lord, and that through this, Lord, that you would pour out blessings and that you would hear us and that you would make us men and women of such integrity that people all around would look and have nothing to point out. Because, Lord, I believe that that is a living act of worship to you. So, Lord, receive our worship and help us because we cannot do it without your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.